Well, <clears throat> been watching uh, Brandon unwind that wire for a while here, haven't we? <laughs> I wonder if he's ever going to get it. He is. He's going to get it. He's going to get his power out there by the lake someday. Uh, I just want to say this. I, somebody was very generous uh, to Kristen and me this week and, and uh, invited us to go to the uh, comedy festival. We went and saw Jim Gaffigan, who... The guy is hysterical. Nice, uh, pretty clean uh, uh, sketch. It was neat. I want to say that my mouth hurt because I was laughing so hard. And that's, I mean, that's, you know, laughter. It's, it's fun. It's, it's, it's happy. But there's a joy that comes from following Jesus that comes from being one of his children, that comes from being together and moving together as a church in the direction that God wants us to go. There's a joy that comes from that that is so much greater and so much longer lasting. And I hope that you sense that God is here and offering that kind of joy. That kind of deep, it's good to laugh so hard your stomach hurts or your your mouth hurts, but the joy that comes from following God is deep and long-lasting. And I hope that we will seek that as a church today. God, we're about to read your scripture. We're about to just uh, hear from your word. We pray that you will pour out your Holy Spirit on us and that we will be truly attentive and, and that our hearts will hear even beyond what our ears hear and that your will will be done in our lives and that we will be obedient in responding to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our scripture this morning is from the book of Acts. We've been preaching on Acts all summer long. We'll continue to do that for the rest of the summer. Acts is such an exciting book. It's got so many uh, great elements to it. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26, and then over to chapter 13, just the first three verses of that. So if you uh, want to pull out your pew Bible or just listen or brought your own, that's great. Acts chapter 11. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples 
were called Christians first at Antioch. This is the first place that they were referred to as Christians, followers of Christ, Christians. Now turning over to Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Friends, this is God's word for us today. Thank you, Lord, for your powerful word. Amen. Amen. Well, all summer we've been preaching on the book of Acts, and we've been seeing how God empowered the early church to do incredible works. Sometimes they were even miraculous things. And um, we have seen how God was empowering individuals, not just the church as a whole, but specific individuals within that church, and exciting things were happening then. And we've recognized that God still empowers the church today. God still empowers people today. We've sensed the Spirit several times this summer moving and encouraging us to reach out and help others and pray for others and pray that the Spirit would be in their lives, etc. Let me just be really clear about this. We are not empowered as a church because of our great facility, which I am incredibly thankful for, which is incredibly convenient. And when you do VBS, you realize what a privilege it is to be here. Let me tell you, I've done VBS without the AC. Probably some of you have done that too. It can be brutal. It's so wonderful to be here. We are not empowered because of our great facility. We are not empowered because of the number and the kind of people in our pews. Are they our kind of people? Aren't they? What does that mean? We're not empowered by the type of music that we happen to like, to worship to. We're not empowered by the kind of preaching that we might enjoy or feel inspired by. We're not empowered by the cool programs that we run for all ages, from children to senior citizens. We're not empowered by any of those things. The Church of Jesus Christ is empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again. The church of Jesus Christ is empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit. God is with us. God's Spirit is acting. Every time you've been thinking, I should pray today. I should look at my Bible. I should go to church. I should hang out. I should ask that other person what they think. Spiritually, I should, anytime you've been having that kind of conversation, the Holy Spirit has been active in your life. Anytime you've been feeling convicted, anytime you've been feeling encouraged to stretch out and do something faithful, the Holy Spirit is acting in your life. Anytime this church has done something faithful, like run a VBS program, or prepare as we are doing now this week to run a Royal Family Kids Camp program, the Holy Spirit is in that. 
and acting because people's lives are changed when the Holy Spirit shows up and does the work that the Spirit does. The church is empowered only by the presence and activity of the Holy Spirit. If we are relying on anything else, we are totally fooling ourselves. We are delusional. (laughs) We're not in connection with God's reality. It's like, uh, it's like having a car and trying to run it on some other engine besides the engine that's made for it. Hey, I've got a lawnmower. You know, maybe we could throw that in the car and make it run. No. I got a snowmobile. Maybe they could, no, that won't work. Got a motorcycle. What? No. I got another kind of car. No, that won't work either. Airplane, go-kart, boat. Doesn't matter. If you don't put a car engine that fits that car into that car, that car will not run. The engine that drives us is the Holy Spirit. And in today's scripture, we're going to see how the Holy Spirit sets some people apart for some specific ministries. Now, in one sense, every single Christian is called to do some sort of ministry. That's evident by the, the fruit of the, the folks you saw volunteering in the videos for uh, VBS, the folks who are going to be setting aside their time this week for Royal Family Kids Camp. Those are two great examples. But other examples, greeters, ushers, drivers, people who count offerings, helpers, people who serve others, cleaners, people who pray, people who visit, people who make phone calls, people who write cards, People who make videos, people who play music, who cook meals, who take notes at meetings, who look out for their neighbors, who share their faith with a friend, a neighbor, a family member, a stranger, a co-worker, who teach a Sunday school class, who lead a small group, whatever. Everybody is called to some level of ministry. Every single one of us, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, are called to some level of ministry. And that's what happened to the people in the first part of this reading here in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 11, let's read these couple verses for you again. Now those who have been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, did you catch that? These people did not leave willingly. They left because Stephen was stoned to death and persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and these folks for fear of their lives, were forced out into the world around them. They went to as far as, they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. If you looked at kind of the Middle East, you're basically describing sort of the area of Gaza, you're describing the, the island of Cyprus, and you're describing uh, Damascus, and, and Antioch is up there in Syria, modern day Syria. They go out farther from Jerusalem. And they began spreading the word only among Jews. And then some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. These were ordinary Christians. These were ordinary Christians who were scared. These were ordinary Christians whose lives had been disrupted in a huge way. They did not have theological degrees. They had not been to seminary. They probably had less training 
than the vast majority of us sitting here, just in terms of the number of sermons they've heard or the amount of uh, Sunday school classes they've been to or anything like that. Now, that may not be you, but these folks did not have a lot. They didn't want to leave their homes and start new churches and faith communities in new places. When they were forced out, they just arrived in a new place, and what did they do? They just started telling people about Jesus. They just started saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. He's made a difference in my life. They just started sharing their lives. They just started living their lives with other people, and when other people were like, well, who are you? They, they would just you know, tell them, but they would share who Jesus is as well. They started out in their ethnic comfort zone, most of them only talking to other Jews, but then these folks from uh, Cyrene and uh, Cyprus, sorry, Cyprus and Cyrene, they began to tell Gentiles, Greeks here it's described, and God began to bless their work. So here's the deal. If you're a Christian, God wants you to be in some sort of ministry to other people. He just does. He just has a plan for you to use you and your gifts to share the love of Jesus Christ with other people. If you're not serving others in some way, then you're not living into the full potential of what God's will is for your life. Now that can come in a variety of ways. It can come by serving on a committee. It can come by being a good neighbor. It can come with all those things I mentioned before and a hundred others that I didn't mention that you're thinking, well, why didn't he mention that? Because I couldn't think of them all. See, the, the variety of the way God uses us is awesome. God uses people in amazing ways. How is he using you? And do you have anything that's more important to you right now than being obedient to following how God is urging you to to serve him and to serve others? If you do, I got a word for it. It's an idol. It doesn't matter how beautiful it is, how nice it is, how even holy it is, If it's something that is drawing you away from God and doing what God is calling you to do, you got to let it go. Because God has a plan for every Christian to serve. Well, God does have a plan for every Christian to serve, but he also, there's another group here mentioned in the text. From Acts chapter 13, verse 1, I'll read this. Now, in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And then he lists five of them, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. In the Antioch church, there were folks who had leadership positions. We have folks who have leadership positions. They're Sunday school teachers or small group leaders. We have folks who occasionally step forward to preach like Tom Holland did two weeks ago, or Becca Ottaway did last week, and many others have done that in the past. We have people who are prayer warriors, who get the word out to others as to what they sense God is saying to them. We have folks who very wisely administrate and guide this church. They serve on committees and teams. They faithfully do that work. We have some people who are called to lead in the local church and some in our district around us and even in the conference level too. We have folks who, everyone's called to serve, but we also have folks who are called to lead as well. 
They use their gifts to help others grow as well. Well, those are two groups. The third group is here as well. Back to chapter 11. Just a few verses here. Now, news of this, which was going on, this spreading of the gospel to Antioch. News, verse 22. News of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Do you know what Barnabas means? Bar-nabas. Bar means son of. Guess what Nabas means? Encouragement. Barnabas was the son of encouragement. He shows up in Antioch, having been sent specifically from Jerusalem. And when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, not what the Christians had done, not what people had accomplished on their own, when he saw what the grace of God working through those folks had done, he was glad and he encouraged them, just like his name speaks of, he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He sees what's going on and he's like, keep doing it. Don't let anything else get in your way. Be true to the Lord with all your heart. Are you true to the Lord with all your heart? Are there parts of your heart that are reserved for anything else? True to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people, and the disciples were called Christians there first at Antioch. Barnabas is in this group of people who is a third group, a third group of people who are called in a special way, specifically sent from the Christians in Jerusalem up to Antioch to encourage them. His message, he encouraged them to remain faithful and true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a person of good reputation. He was a person who was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was a person who had faith. And there was some fruit to his ministry. A great number of people brought to the Lord through him. He went and also sought out Saul and encouraged him to begin his ministry. You know, we're so used to thinking this is Saul whose name becomes Paul. We're so used to thinking of this guy as just like, well, he was in ministry. He was an apostle. He went off and was kind of quietly with the Lord for a while, waiting until Barnabas shows up and says, you're called to do more than just sit here and wait. You're called to come and teach and lead. And we find out in chapter 13 that while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, how do we know the Holy Spirit said? We assume that some of the prophets that were there, remember there were teachers and prophets, we assume that some of the prophets were saying, I sense the Holy Spirit is leading us to do this. And this is what the Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. They were set aside for the work which, for which the Holy Spirit was calling them. They were people set apart for full-time Christian ministry. They were people who turned out, they turned out to be missionaries and church planters. Some people become pastors. Some people become spiritual teachers. They're folks who teach other people full-time. 
Christian ministry issues. Some people become evangelists who travel from place to place. Some people are called to work full-time leading children in issues of faith, leading youth or adults or older adults. How do you determine if you might be part of this third group? Well, in Antioch, there was some direction from the Holy Spirit. And there was some fasting and prayer. And there was some fruit to these folks' lives. And then there was laying on of hands. And it was recognized by the community. And I just want to make this comment. God acts through human institutions. God sometimes comes upon folks uh, on their own, in a sense, and they sense, wow, God is really calling me. And, but then those folks have to become involved with other people in some measure of organization. That's one way people are called. That's kind of what happens to Paul on the road to Damascus. Jesus shows up in the sky and calls him. Now, most people don't have that experience. Most people have that sense of calling through a human institution, like the church. The church is a group of human beings, followers of Jesus Christ acting together. This church is a church who has sent many people out. Sometimes willingly, and dare I say it, sometimes not willingly. Sometimes it's been hard to share leadership and strong Christians with other churches. But friends, we would not be healthy if we did not ask ourselves occasionally is there someone here who is sensing God calling them to some level of Christian service is there somebody here who is sensing that calling sometimes it's an inner urgency that blindsides you you're just out of nowhere, I, uh, I have a car, who, one of the headlights, it, it leaks a little bit. And so about every six months, the headlight just dies, and I have to go get another bulb. Well, I forget about that, so I drive around, and suddenly I'm driving with only one headlight, and I don't notice it yet. And boom, blindsided, the cop pulls me over. I'm thinking, I, I'm fine. What did I do? I stopped at the light. I'm not speeding. What's going on? Got a headlight out. Oh, blindsided. Didn't expect that to come. I'm getting more used to it now. You might be sitting here sensing right now God blindsiding you saying, yeah, I'm called to this. I might be called to give my life to do this you might say oh I'm too old let me tell you I work on the district committee on ordained ministry for our district I'm the chairperson of that and we have folks who come before us all the time who say I sensed a long time ago that God was calling me to do this and I put it off for a hundred reasons but here I am I'm an older adult but I'm willing to serve I think of a guy named Buck, Buck Young. He followed Dr. Carl Schultz at Hinsdale United Methodist Church. Dr. Schultz had been at that church for 44 years. This guy, Buck Young, 
with not very much theological education at all, follows Dr. Schultz. Buck was easily in his 60s, 65 or older, I think. He served there several fruitful years. He was totally different than Dr. Schultz, but his, his calling was real, and people responded to that, and that church thrived under him. I'm just going to say it straight. God might be calling you. Whether you're young or whether you're old, God might be nudging you. I used to sit in church when I was a junior high and think, I really want to listen to the sermon. I really want to know what's going on. I really want to understand the Bible. And as I got older, I went to college and I became a Bible major and a history major. I only took the Bible major because I thought I just wanted to know my Bible better. I wanted to be a history professor. That's what I wanted to be. I didn't want to be a pastor. That's like crazy. Who would want to do that? But God had other plans for me. He sent me to Alfred University and I spent time as a resident director there in the dorms talking with people and our conversations would always come around to Jesus. And it was always so exciting to share Christ with them and to see the difference it would make in their lives. And I'm really, really slow and it took me like 15 years or something. But after a while I realized, I think God might be calling me to be a pastor. Some people get Jesus in the sky. Some of us are slower. But God works. He calls. So my question to you today is, do you sense that? Do you sense that? I'm going to ask Brandon to come on up. Begin to play. Some of you might hear that clearly. Some of you might just be sensing it now. Some of you might be saying, I'm getting blindsided here. Some of you might be saying, I, have, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how this works. I don't know how it works either. Because God does it a hundred different ways. A thousand different ways. But if you sense that God is calling you in your retirement, in the middle of your career, as a young person, if you sense that God is saying, I want you to spend your life living for me, then I'm going to challenge you. Let's, let's all just close our eyes. Let's just close our eyes. And I'm just going to challenge you. If you sense that, to step out in faith and just raise your hand. Do you sense that in your life? Maybe something you're already already aware of might be something new. Is that real for you? Friends, if you got your hand up, look at me. Look at me. power of God because you sense that God is calling you to live that life in that way. Stand up. Everyone's eyes are closed. Take a step of faith.
God knows what he's doing. Now, friends, thank you for your boldness. Everyone else, stay seated, but look. These folks sense God. Now, they'll have to have that inner sense confirmed with an outer sense. That's all right. But we have the chance to pray for them. And I'm going to ask you, you, church, you're the church. You're the number one ministers of this, this church. Will you go to one of those folks and lay hands on them and pray for them? Go right to those folks, friends. Some Go out there, put your hands on them, and pray for them. Pray that God will guide them. Pray that God will make it clear. If you see somebody standing alone, go put your hand on them and pray for them. We're going to do the work of the church because we're not going to sit here and do nothing. We're going to do the work of the church. Oh God, we just pray that you will guide these folks. They responded this morning in faith. Whatever their future, if they're a young person, God, maybe you're sending them to school. If they're in mid-career, maybe you're sending them as a missionary to use that skill or some other means. If they're retired, maybe you're going to use them. I don't know, Lord, I don't know. Only you know. Encourage them, God. We lay our hands on them. We pray for them. And we give you praise for their faith. May we now confirm over time in your wisdom, put an urgency in them to follow up. You've given them this day and they've responded. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, I don't know what you're going to do with this church, but it's exciting that people are being called. I don't know what you're going to do in this world, but I know it's good. We celebrate that. Friends, we have the, the meal of the Lord, too, waiting for us. So we give praise to God right now. And I'm just going to move right into communion in this time. 